Well, we're starting a new series titled, What is Life All About? When we're really just going to ask life's toughest question based on Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And I want you to focus on two words in that scripture, called and purpose. And those are two super important words. We're going to be looking at those over the next six weeks, our calling and our purpose in life. If someone called you to tell you that you had just won a brand new car, you wouldn't want to miss that call, would you? What if I told you there was a much more valuable call on your life, one that could define your life? A couple verses later, Romans 8.30 says this, And having chose them, this is God, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. There's a whole lot in that verse that we're going to cover in the coming weeks. But for now, for this week, I just want to focus on the word called. What does it mean to be called? The Greek word for called there is kaleo. And the Bible uses it over a hundred times. Its use is almost exclusively as an assignment from God. I don't know if any of you guys are uh, baseball fans. Does anybody know what the show is? Does anybody know what it means to be called to the show? It means called up to the major leagues. You see, in professional baseball, you got rookie league, you got advanced rookie league, you've got single A, double A, triple. I mean, there's people think there's only like single A, double A, triple A. There's a lot of minor leagues, and, and it's really tough and really competitive. Well, I had a friend that I worked with for years. He played for over 10 years for a triple A club with the Detroit Tigers. Great baseball player. He played catcher. I remember one time we were having lunch, and I looked at him. I said, Dan, I go, did it ever happen? He goes, what? I go, did you ever get called to the show? And he said, one time. A catcher, because he was a catcher, a catcher got hurt, so they called him up. And he said, you know, he flew into Detroit. A limo came and picked him up. And these guys are used to staying in $20 a night hotel rooms. He goes, I couldn't believe it, the limo. And they took me to the nicest hotel room. And then they brought my uniform to me. And they said, this is where, you know, your locker is going to be. He just couldn't believe it. The stadium was huge. There was his name on his locker. Put his uniform on. And and then he said he didn't start the game. But at some point, they had to warm up a pitcher. So he got to run out in front of all the fans who were cheering, and he got to catch the guy who was warming up. And then the next day, they sent him back down the triple A. But he said this, that was the highlight of his career. That one day, warming up a major league pitcher, he said there was nothing like it. See, in baseball, there's nothing like getting called to the show. But in life, there's nothing like getting called by God. And Romans 8.28 teaches us that we've been called according to His purpose, not ours. It's His purpose. The Greek word for calling is kaleo. The Latin word for calling is vacare. We get our word vocal from vacare. Uh, Voice, uh, vocation comes from that, from the Latin. So your vocation and your calling really are the same thing. But here's the problem. 
Today in our culture, the word vocation has been so reduced and minimized to just mean my job, my career. Your calling's not your career. Your calling is far more significant than your career, far more all-encompassing than your career. So your vocation is misused when you say it's just my job. No. You have a job, but your vocation is your calling in life. They can be the same thing. Maybe being a nurse is your, is your calling. But sometimes they can be quite different. We get confused. The Bible is just a story of God calling people. You think about it. God calls Moses for a purpose. Moses answers. He called Nehemiah, who was a builder, for a purpose. He called Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Goes on and on. David, Solomon, who wrote the Proverbs. Then you get to the New Testament. God calls Peter, Paul, and Mary, who became a popular folk group in the 60s. Okay, that didn't go very well. But he called Peter, Paul, and Mary, and we all know what they did. But God has a call on every person's life. Why are you alive, and what are you supposed to be doing with the rest of your life? How do you fulfill the call of God on your life? Here's going to be our prayer for the next six weeks. It comes from Ephesians 1.18. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called, His holy people, who are His rich and glorious inheritance. He's saying when you know your calling, you discover the incredible things that you're missing out on. What we're going to do today is introduce this subject and just give you an overview. I want to show you eight things that you really need to know. And what I've done is I've taken a hundred verses that involve calling, and I'm just kind of kind of summarize them and bring out eight things, eight principles or eight truths that everyone needs to understand as it pertains to calling. Biblical truth number one. My calling is a gift from God. It's a gift. That means I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. I don't work for it. I don't bargain for it. It's just a flat-out gift of God's grace. When He created me, He called me, and it's all by grace. Galatians 1.6 says this, God called you to Himself through the loving mercy of Christ. And what is mercy? It's someone withholding the punishment you deserve. Mercy's undeserved kindness. It's when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. And let's face it, if we all got what we deserve, if you're like me, you wouldn't be here. Your calling is actually a part of your salvation. The calling to Christ is also the calling to your purpose. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. So God gives me a calling in life simply because he wants to give me a calling in life, not because I deserve it. He just gives it to me. Focus on the word plan in that verse, because that leads us to the second thing we learn. And it's this, biblical truth number two. I am called for God's plan. And we get this confused. I'm not called for my plan. I'm called for God's plan. See, God didn't make me for me. You were made by God and you were made for God. And until you understand that, life's not going to make a whole lot of sense. I'm called for God's purpose. 
God's calling is about his plan for my life, not my plan. His purpose for my life, not my purpose, my parents' purpose, my spouse's purpose, anyone else. A good example of this story is Jacob and Esau in the Bible. And they were twins. There was a guy named Abraham, and he had a son named Isaac. And Isaac had twins, Jacob and Esau. And in those days, the firstborn son got all the credit. He was the patriarch. He got to make the decisions. The firstborn son was just special. He would get all the inheritance. He was number one. And then the second-born son was like, oh, well, we're glad you're here, but it was kind of messed up. And God really didn't like that. And in the case of Esau and Jacob, Esau was the first-born son, and God said, I have a calling for Esau's life, but I also have a calling for Jacob's life. And because he was God, he said, we're going to reverse it this time. And I'm choosing Jacob to get the blessing of the first-born son, even though he was born second. And he told this to their mother, Rebekah, But before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chooses people according to, watch this, His own purposes. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. She was told, your older son will serve your younger son. And that was the exact opposite of culture. This was before the boys had done anything good, anything bad. They didn't deserve it. They didn't merit anything good or bad. God said this so that the one chosen would be chosen because of God's own plan. It was his purpose. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Focus on the word masterpiece. The Greek word here is poema. We get our word poem from that. Poems are what? They're beautiful. They're masterful. They have incredible workmanship. And God's saying, you're my masterpiece. You may say, I don't feel like a masterpiece. Well, then you don't realize how much value God puts on your life. You say, I'm not a masterpiece. I'm a beat up piece of junk. Well, you're not. Jesus didn't die for junk. God doesn't create junk. And the Holy Spirit doesn't live in junk. You're a masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. But it only shows when you fulfill your calling. If you try to be what somebody else wants you to be, you're going to miss it. And your true beauty, your true greatness won't come out. And I always try to tell people this. I've learned this in life. Everybody's great at something. The deal is, am I going to find out what my calling is so I can discover what it is that God wants me to do that is beautiful and great and wonderful. I remember when I was a young music student in Gainesville, I was at the University of Florida and where we often practiced, and somebody goes, oh, you got to come see this. I'm like, what? Oh, no, 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 you just got to come hear this. And so I go into this room, and there's this young girl playing piano, highly autistic girl. If you asked her what two plus two was, she could not give you the answer. And yet this young autistic girl is playing Brahms like a seven-year-old ought not to be able to play Brahms. Now, I'm an atheist at this point in my life. I'm kind of wigging out. It just did not make sense to me at all. I'm trying to, how could this be? This girl can't even add. How could she play piano? And at that moment, I learned some truth, and it's this. Everybody's great at something. Everybody can do something magnificently. It's just a matter of trying to connect with God and trying to understand 
God, what is it that you want me to do? What is my calling? And we have to understand that we are God's masterpiece, created to do something great. You know, sometimes we might not think what we do is great, but, you know, I bet if you were to ask the people that you help on Sunday out, I bet they would say you're great. And so we don't need to minimize what God's doing in our life. We're all here to be a contributor, not a consumer. And the Bible calls your contribution your good works. It's part of your calling. Here's the cool thing. We all have different good works. Your contribution, your good works are going to be different than mine and the rest of us. Mine are going to be different to you. God makes us all different and gives us all different callings so that everything in the world that he wants done gets done. I want you to look at this one more time before I move on. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God is God. He knows what he's doing. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And he made you just the way he made you for a reason. Flaws and all. Everything. He made you that for a reason. That means a long time ago, before you thought of it, God thought of your calling. In fact, that leads us to the third principle. Biblical principle number three. Biblical truth number three. God chose my calling before I was born. I'm called for his purpose, not mine. And he chose it before I was born. Galatians 1.15 teaches us this. But God in his grace chose me even before I was born. And watch this. Called me to do what? To serve him. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. God called you before you were born. And the Bible says God uniquely shaped you. You're custom made. Isaiah 44, 2 says this. I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. It says three things. First, I'm your creator. What does that mean? Well, you weren't born by accident. You were uniquely chosen, created, and called. And it's important for us to understand that we're not accidents because if you think you're an accident you're going to live like you're an accident you're going to approach life like it's an accident you're going to accidentally go through life without any purpose any direction but you're not an accident God says you were under my care that means you were deeply loved God cared for you when you were in the womb even when you were growing inside your mother I'm not a political guy I'm not I always say I'm not a Hatfield or a McCoy people get all mad at me the Democrats get all mad at me, and the Republicans, I'm saying, yeah, I'm just not going to fight with you guys. So I don't really get into the politics, but I do get into what God's Word says, and that's why I'm pretty strong about this when it comes to abortion. I, just, I don't understand it. Because the Bible teaches us as Christians that we were created, that we were formed, that we were called, that everyone has a purpose, and we don't want to shortchange God's purpose says you were in my care before I was born. This verse can encourage you on days when you feel discouraged, when you feel like your life is an accident, it's not. When you feel like nobody cares, God does. When you feel like your life doesn't have a purpose, God planned you before you were born. Biblical truth number four, my past doesn't change my call. My past does not change my call. This is something we all need to know. 
When I first thought God was calling me to be a pastor, I laughed pretty hard, and other people did too. And there's a reason. It's because I had a past. I thought, man, I've lost my mind because all the things I've done as a young man certainly disqualified me from pastoring. But my past doesn't dictate my call. A good example of this would be Paul in the Bible. I did some pretty bad things, but Paul, I mean, he was pretty rude, pretty crude, but yet God called him to be an apostle. 1 Timothy 1, 12 and 13. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me. This is Paul speaking. Because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor, and watch this, and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Anytime you sin, it involves ignorance and unbelief. Anybody here do stupid things in their past? Anybody? Just me? Just me? Okay. Okay. You know what that means? That's apostle training. You know what Paul was? Paul was a terrorist before he became an apostle. He was a religious terrorist. He was going to people's homes, dragging them out in the street, throwing them in jail, killing people. He was a murderer. And God said, Paul, that didn't change a call I had from you from the day you were born. I had a plan for you. And even the bad stuff fits into the plan. The fact that I love most about God is that He never wastes anything. He fits it all together. He even takes the stupid stuff I do and somehow forms it and brings that and makes that part of my call. He causes all things to work together for good, those who love God, those called according to His purpose. I don't know if you know who Chuck Colson is. But he was one of the most powerful men in his day. He was assistant to the President of the United States. And then he got involved in this 1970s scandal, some of you are smiling, called Watergate. He went to prison. In prison, he found Christ. He became a believer and saw the need for people in prisons to know the Lord. So he started Prison Fellowship, which is now in 160 countries. And has touched millions and millions and millions of people. When God created Chuck Colson, he knew he would be going from the Oval Office to prison and then back out into life. And he said, I'm going to fit the whole thing into my plan. Your past does not disqualify you. God will use it. Next truth, my calling is permanent. My calling is permanent. What I mean by that is not that it won't ever change or be different nuances. That that certainly can happen. But what I mean by permanent is no one can take it from you. Satan can't take your calling from you. You can't take your calling from you. Other people can't. And God won't because he says, I've given it to you permanently. Romans eleven twenty nine says this, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. It is irrevocable. You still have the same gifts God gave you from the beginning. And what this verse teaches us is that if my calling is permanent, it means this, my job is not permanent. We talked about that. We call our vocation our job. But your job can change. But his gifts and call can never be withdrawn. So no matter what happens, they're permanent in your life. And then this is really big. This is biblical truth number six. This is where the church comes in. My calling is connected to others. I wish I had written that differently. 
My calling is always connected to others, just always. My assignment from God in life, my purpose, my vision, the dream that God has formed for my life is connected to other people. This is what that means. You can't do it by yourself. You can only do it connected to other people. Calling and community go together. You know, when Christianity was in its infancy, the real spiritual people decided, in order to be a great Christian, we'll go and be by ourselves. They were the monks. And they would go be all by themselves and live in a cave. They would try to become very, very holy. Then one day, one guy was reading the Bible, and he goes, I think we're getting this thing wrong. How can I love one another as myself? How can I do the one another's of the New Testament all by myself? And they realize we're wrong. We can't do it by ourselves. See, we need each other. You can never be what God wants you to be on your own. You'll never fulfill your destiny on your own. You have to do it connected to other people. It's like the parts of the body, the way Paul describes the body of Christ. I mean, the eye is an amazing thing. But if it's not in an eye socket, it really can't do anything. The hand with the thumbs and the finger is amazing. But if you detach it from the body, not only can it not do anything, but it will die. That's why corporate worship, small groups, being a part of one another is so important. You have to be connected to the body to fulfill your calling. The Bible calls the church the body of Christ, the family of God, but it calls it the body. And we're all members like a hand, eye, nose, feet, everything connected to the body. Romans 14, 7, we do not live for ourselves only and we do not die for ourselves only. It's for one another. Ephesians 4, 4, all of you are part of the same body. Hebrews 3, 1. Brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. And the other people in this room are partners in a heavenly calling. We're better together. We're better as a team. That's why at church you have to be connected. Biblical truth number seven, very important. God empowers my calling. You know, sometimes people, they start to discover their calling, but they just don't have a whole lot of confidence. Because, I mean, that was definitely my case. Um, Bill remembers, it was 19 years ago, I first started preaching. I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I was like, this can't be my calling. I know I can't do this. I didn't feel empowered enough. You know what I didn't know? I didn't know that God was going to get involved in it. Yeah, Lenny's not that great. Yeah, Lenny's not the greatest speaker in the world. But you know what I learned is that when I talk, If anything happens, it's because God did something, not because of me. And that should give you confidence because, you see, it's not on me. When I step out and use my calling, go out, the emphasis is not on me. The emphasis is on him. And when he calls you to do something, he'll empower you. He'll give you everything you need to see your calling through. In other words, if God's given me an assignment, he's going to enable me to do it. He's going to equip me to do it. He would never ask you to do anything with your life that he will not give you the power to see through. Here's how it works. Once I understand that God has a calling on my life, what I do is I commit myself to him. When I commit myself to God's calling for me, I say, God, whatever time I've got left on this earth, I want to use it to fulfill your calling for me. I commit to your calling for my life. Then God commits his resources to help you do it. And lastly, biblical truth number eight, there is a prize for living out your calling. 
There is a prize. We don't do it for that, but the Bible teaches us there's a reward for those who discover their calling and are faithful in it. And that reward will last forever. That's why Paul wrote this in Philippians. He said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Right before he said that, he says, forgetting what lies behind all that bad stuff I did. You know, Paul had done some bad stuff to people and their family members were in the church he was serving. There were a lot of people who didn't like Paul. You know, and it was probably reminded them all the time. Paul, I'm sure he could have gone, oh man, I'm terrible. I just got to go home. But you know, he said, forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ. What is the prize? Well, it would take months to explain all that God wants to do in heaven and in eternity with you. But let me say this. The prize is that you get to share in everything that God has in heaven. You get to share in His kingdom. You get to share in His glory. You get to share in His power. And life on earth is a test. Why didn't God just create us and take us to heaven? Why didn't He just take us there first? Because He puts us on earth to test our faithfulness. He gives you a few things. He puts them under your care. And He sees what you'll do with them. And if you're faithful with a little, He knows I can trust you with all my riches and power and glory in heaven for eternity. If you're faithful in a little you'll be faithful in much. It's a test. And God's testing us to see if we will fulfill the calling that He put us on earth to fulfill. And if we do, He's going to share with us everything that He has. First Thessalonians 1.12 says, We pleaded with you. This is them pleading with the church. Encouraged you, urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For He called you to share in His kingdom and glory. And I don't want anyone to get to heaven and be asked, did you fulfill your calling? And you go, I didn't know I had one. And if you fulfill your calling in life and you make the most of what you're given, God says you're going to share in his kingdom and glory forever. He's already been calling you. The phone has been ringing in your life since you've been conceived. The question is, will we answer the call? Will we pick up the phone? Can you believe, not in yourself, Can you believe in God enough to believe that he could take me, Paul? (laughs) Could he take us and do something magnificent? The answer, according to Scripture, is a resounding yes. Oh, we don't have enough people. We don't have enough talent. The answer, according to Scripture, is yes. Because let me tell you something. It's not based on our ability our understanding, our power. It's all based on God. The calling that God has. And you don't want to miss any of this. During this week, I want you to think about that. What is my calling, God? What is our calling corporately? What is my calling personally? Everyone, he's called each and every one of us, and each one of us has a call. Pray with me. Father, sometimes when I think about, and when I speak messages like this, Lord, It's hard for me because I think, what could I do, Lord? What could I do? And I think often I can't do a whole lot. But Lord, you, you can do everything and you can do all things. And Lord, you created us for a purpose to be your hands and your feet. And Lord, as we move forward in the next five weeks, Lord, I just pray for each person within the sound of my voice that we will explore 
that we will pray that, Lord, we will discover our calling. And, Lord, that we would come together as your people for your purpose. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.